0: Hello and welcome to this episode of Demystified, as we explore home cooking in a modern world. Hello, I'm Linda, and hello, Paul.
1: Hello, Linda. Paul, Paul? no introduction today. No, no, we're just (laughs) jumping
0: straight in. The introduction I can do later. But uh, we've got a few things to talk about today and I, I think given uh, the uncertainty in our in our current predicament worldwide as we're all looking for what's going on and for how to run our families and how to manage our lives through all this COVID-19 crisis, I think we touched on this briefly in another podcast but I, I'd like to revisit it, secondary cuts.
1: Secondary cuts, yeah.
0: Se- yes, because as we said last time, It's a great way of buying what people aren't buying and being able to slow cook. And if we're going to be holed up for a little while...
1: We're going to have time.
0: Exactly. And nothing, I think... um, Well, I know for me, it relaxes me, but it also helps the family, I think, in the house have that smell of cooking going on. It's a relaxing, calming... I think. Um, Mm.
1: Look how many things secondary cuts can do already. I can do... Exactly. (laughs) And,
0: And that with a... Maybe some music in the background. I'd be a happy, a happier happy little chappie, I think.
1: A bottle of wine too.
0: Well, that's that's yep. just uh, icing on the cake, but yeah. All so right, secondary so the cuts
1: s- secondary cuts, and we use the term as a bit of a broad term for a lot of things. Um, so, in the case of let's say poultry, we're talking about drumsticks and thighs. In you know lamb, we might be talking about shanks, uh, shoulders, necks. Um, Pork, similar, um, beef, also bucco, oxtail, cheeks, tongue, jowls, like the list goes on and on and on. Yes, yeah,
0: just now, hang on a minute there. Some of that I just would not, uh, I wouldn't necessarily, well, no. Some of that stuff, Paul, might be great, but... Uh... Like what? Well, the cheeks and the jowls and... Um... Cheeks. Well, well, one of I the dishes we the... have one recipe on cooking with steam. Yeah. But it's no. not necessarily something that people are familiar with. No, no, no. With.
1: Okay. So okay, maybe and maybe tongue and jowl we can tongue... put aside, but certainly cheeks.
0: Memories of pressed tongue as a child I still have nightmares about. Yeah,
1: Okay, so let's that's so not
0: my personal flavour.
1: Alright, so let's maybe and park
0: try... let's just not go there.
1: Yeah, but that's more awful. Oh. Yeah, I, I, like jowl to me is not awful. Okay. Maybe tongue tongue you could put in the awful sort of bench, if you like, but certainly cheeks uh, and jowls, especially a pork jowl, um, are secondary cuts. Okay. So let's... Maybe, cook, maybe address how argue... you
0: cook them differently. Yeah, but... yeah,
1: yeah. So regardless, a secondary cut is one of the reasons that I think we're talking about this today is twofold. is One, they're the things that people will buy last um, because they do take longer to cook. There's more... Work involved, if you like, uh, but the work involved with cooking them is nothing more than time, really. Um, now, for mine, they are far more economic, economical. Uh, they're cheaper. They're always cheaper. Um, so, if you look at an also piece of Osso brocco versus a piece of eye fill at the same size, it will be half, if not more, seventy-five percent cheaper than that. Piece of eye fillet. They're more accessible. Well, yeah, they're more accessible, and um, although not as quick to cook, and I think they have more flavour, and that's what we're in the business of. Is you know, if we're cooking, we're trying to create flavour. I think secondary cuts, as a general rule, always have more flavour. They're they're working muscles, okay. So whereas primary cuts, if we take eye fillet as an example, it's it's not a working muscle. Uh, So a working muscle, I think, and if we just put secondary cuts in that group of working muscles, uh, also will always have more flavor. Um, So all of those sorts of things that, and okay, so let's put tongue aside, but all of those sorts of things are what I think right now, given what's going on, uh, we should be looking at cooking because while... There is a vast majority of the world's population cooking from home. This isn't necessarily standing in front of the stove for two hours. This is doing some very base level preparations. You're talking about browning off meat, adding some onion, carrot, celery, tomato puree, a bit of stock, and add your meat back and throw it in the oven for three hours. Like it's not difficult cooking. You're there in the house, so having your oven on, you know, pulling out when it's ready is five minutes away from your laptop. Um, so I think it's probably pretty good practice. Now, the other benefit of cooking like this is that those preparations, are uh, generally, and I'm speaking broad terms, but generally freeze down quite well. So you can do large volumes of secondary cuts, like make a ragu from Osso Bucco. Like it doesn't have to be a piece of Osso Bucco on a plate. You can pull a bone out and make a big ragu out of it, freeze it down, and then you've got you know, something left for when you don't have time to cook. Um, So those sorts of preparations generally uh, freeze down very well uh, and you can keep for quite a period of time. Uh, They're cheaper. You get more volume out of it. Like there's very little other than time that isn't better.
0: And
1: they're great leftovers. Yeah, well, I mean, leftovers. leftovers. There's a lot of arguments to be had whether things like that, um, it's kind of like the old super argument do they get better by sitting in the fridge um, for a day or so? You know, if you cook it a day in advance and you, you leave it in the fridge for a day or two before you get to it, is it better? Well, I don't know. There's a lot of research being done, whether it is or it isn't, if it develops flavor, maybe I think it's a bit psychosomatic. Maybe it does, but it doesn't matter. You can at least cook something and stick it in the fridge for two days. And it's going to keep, rather than trying to manage keeping a whole bunch of fresh ingredients, Uh, They're cooked ingredients in that sort of situation, like a braise or a casserole or a stew. They're a little bit easier to to manage to keep. But certainly, um, you know, the classic preparations like an osso bucco, a braised lamb shank, um, you know, we talked about cheeks before and you sort of turned your nose up. But the thing about it is, is that like beef cheeks are fantastic. They are.
0: Yes, they are. Soaked in red wine, I have done that. Yeah. It was fantastic.
1: Yeah. And they're cheap and, you know, know, not many people use them. So, you know, things like that, I think at the moment are probably the most economical way to think about your food and shop. Um, And if you are at home, you're there so you have time. It doesn't take a lot of time to prepare them or, you know, get them ready and up and running. It just takes time to cook them. Uh, and if you're sitting in front of a laptop at home, if it's sitting in the oven in a big casserole dish, well, who cares?
0: Well, I just think back on that point about the beef cheeks, because I hadn't cooked them before, I really needed your recipe. Yeah. So I think if you're looking at a piece of protein, a piece of secondary cut, and you're not sure about it, yeah, look around, look on the net, have a look to see the day before you want to use it. Ask the butcher. Ask the butcher, yes, we discussed that, yeah. they're a fantastic resource. But I know that the benefit our beef cheeks had by being able to soak overnight in the red wine yeah. was fantastic because it really tenderized them and the next time when we roasted them, when we cooked them, yeah, they just fell apart. It well, I mean
1: the red wine in that scenario serves it doesn't really serve as a tenderizing purpose it actually serves to add some richness and some flavour so you're not really tenderising it the the only thing that's going to tenderise a secondary cut is long slow cooking so if you think about when we've been talking about things like shanks and all that sort of stuff if you think about a leg of lamb which is pretty common here in Australia as a sort of family dinner a roast leg of lamb or even a roast pork belly for that matter we treat a leg of lamb like it's a primary cut, the way we actually cook it in the situation where we roast it. So we treat it as though it could be a ribeye steak, like a ribeye on the bone. You know, you've got an eight-point ribeye prime rib, they call it in the States, um, and you know, you roast that and it's a big showstopper table presentation type thing. That is a primary cut. It's essentially a scotch fillet with a bone on it. A leg of lamb is actually a secondary cut but we treat it as though it's a primary cut. So it needs to be cooked perfectly to that nice rose pink uh, and rested properly before we actually get a good result out of it. What we're actually better off doing with something like a leg of lamb is doing a tagine, a braise, a a slow roast, rather than trying to do this 180 degree, roast it and just get it perfect. Because everyone's had a leg of lamb roast which has been overcooked and it goes tough. And the reason it goes tough is because it's actually a secondary cut there's very few parts of the leg of lamb like in the meat structure of it itself that is primary cut it's not it's a secondary cut so although we can do it and it's a little bit more manageable with something like a leg of lamb or a pork belly if they're not done exactly right perfect the results go real bad but if you braise a pork belly or like our recipe, if you steam it for a long period of time, that's a set, what we're essentially doing is like a slow cook. We mm-hmm. steam our pork belly for three hours. The, although we're not crisping the skin at that stage, what we're doing is breaking down the fibres, the connective tissue, all of that sort of stuff, which is what braising in this slow cooking does for secondary cuts. We're just breaking all of that down. That's what tenderizes things. Yes, red wine might help a little bit, but that served more as a flavor profile.
0: Okay, then. Just <laughs> That's why you're the chef and I'm the accountant. But uh, but I think it does help to really do a little bit of research. And if you can then go and get some of the secondary cuts and put them away, Yeah. do some research, how to cook them. And as you said, if you can get your potatoes, carrots, pretty stock standard veggies in a yeah. home, you can make an I mean, like amazing we, dish. Yeah.
1: Like we said the other day, I mean, we, we spent a bit of time talking about mince, you know, and you know, making a, a standard sort of ragu, if you like, from a, or a bolognese sauce, if you like, from, from mince, the same preparation, we can just use diced beef, chuck steak, I think you mentioned, mm. um, stewing steak, any of that sort of stuff. If we dice it up, um, we get a totally different end result because generally mince uh, has got a higher fat content, so it's much harder to... and. Mince is very hard to brown really evenly. Have you notice that? Mm, when you're yeah. trying to cook mince, it's very hard to brown, unless yes. you do it in small batches. Now, yes. when you brown things, you give them colour, and colour equals flavour. So you imagine the same theory on doing, like, diced... Small dice, but diced stewing steak or chuck steak or whatever you want to call it. You can get some really good brown colour on it, which is going to give you better flavour down the track. Um, although it's going to take longer, but mince itself... They're not, they're not mincing eye fillet or scotch fillet or porterhouse or any primary cut. What do you think they're mincing? Yeah. They're mincing secondary cuts, and they're mincing it down to try and make it easy. But if you pan fry mince just by itself and don't add a liquid or don't cook it slow for, let's say, a half an hour. Now, they're very small morsels, so half an hour is sometimes all it needs. But if you just take a bit of mince, pan fry it, till it's fully cooked and then eat it it will be tough the reason it's tough is it's a secondary cut I
0: don't think people realise
1: that well you haven't had a chance Mm -hmm. to actually break although although it's minced the connective tissue has been minced itself but realistically like mince is a secondary cut like in the case of chicken mince if you buy chicken breast mince totally different scenario to buying chicken leg and thigh mince two different things because one is primary cut You might like chicken breast mince is as close to as you would get mincing a piece of eye fillet. Very lean, no fat, no connective tissue. Um, You know, can be made into a a dumpling to poach really quickly, quite easily. Um, Don't need to break that connective stuff down. Whereas thigh mince or any beef mince for that matter, they're all secondary cuts that are going in there, and I'd rather rescue them because everything gets mixed together. So. But also, I wanted to say, look at things like um, oxtail. If you're a fan of beef and you want real big beef flavour, you can get a very small amount of oxtail and add that to, let's say, your ragu, and that'll maximise flavour. There's big, big beef flavour in like something like an oxtail.
0: That's one of my dad's favourites, actually. Yeah, mm. like
1: really, really big flavour. So yeah. if maybe you're a bit... You remember, like... It, if you have bland food, you'll eat more. If you have flavorful food, you actually end up eating less because it satisfies you more. So if if you are in the situation where a lot of people are globally, you can't get out of the house, you can't get out to the shops, you know, whatever's happening. I mean, it's changing very quickly. Um, it, you need to maximize what you have on hand. and to, The way to do that is to... Pick the right ingredients, but maximise the flavour from those ingredients. So another thing that I was thinking, although it's a bit off topic, um, for secondary cuts, I was thinking about tin food today because a lot of people have bought a lot, like, and we're talking a lot of tin food. So chickpeas, all, all those sort of legumes that are already cooked, uh, as a convenience item, they store well. Da, 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 da. But adding a tin of like chickpeas to a tagine, as an example, although it's a filler and it bulks it out. If you actually drain the the chickpeas, give them a rinse, pat them dry, and before you add it to the tejun, if you pan fry them in some olive oil and get some really good coloration on them, even a little bit of olive oil and butter, and make them golden brown, they develop their own flavor, and they've maximized the flavor just of one component. So, like, look at maximizing the flavor of each component. Don't just, like, if you want to stretch your your bolognese sauce or your ragu and you've only got half an onion and you've got a kilo of meat, don't worry about it. Don't rush out and buy two other onions because the recipe says so. Take your half an onion, dice it up and cook it until it's golden brown. Get some colour on it because colour gives flavour. So the more flavour that we add or the more colour that we add, the better flavour the end result will be and if you have better flavour in your in your food, you eat less
0: Well, that's a very interesting point.
1: I'd never thought of that with chickpeas. Yeah, well, chickpeas, bilotti beans, kidney beans, uh, butter beans. Like there's a, I mean, I've seen a million, you know, people buying four bean mix. Like you can even do it with that. Like I don't care. I mean, these things are being bought. We have to be honest about it. But why not try and at least give them some flavor? Because chickpeas are a really good example. Open a tin of chickpeas, tip them out, give them a rinse, taste the chickpea just like that okay yeah fine it tastes like Mm. a chickpea whatever pan fry some in some a little bit of butter olive oil add some salt and even better at the end just add some like ground spices like smoked paprika or ground coriander cumin anything like that and just give them a really quick toast and fry up in that once they're coloured not at the start once they've got some colour and they get this real nutty flavour about them it's just a different level of Flavor and component, we're not using these things to bulk out, we're using them to add flavor because it, it's really hard to punch flavor into something like a chickpea. But in the case of our secondary cut, why not add another flavor profile to a tagine? Where's the harm in that? There's no harm at no, all, it it's only fantastic. benefit. Yeah,
0: like, it sounds fantastic. Yeah. Wow, I've never actually thought of that. Thanks. Well, Full of useless information. <laughs> that's why it's not me controlling this podcast, guys.
1: Well, it is. No, it's not. I don't
0: know. But that's interesting. Yeah. Because I think we've all got jars of beans in our cupboard. Yeah. As a standard that we'd have. And if we're now looking more towards what's in our pantry and trying to use food wisely.
1: Yeah. I suppose just, that's, yeah. And that's the other thing with getting back to being on topic with secondary cuts is I think is using it wisely. Like use, you know, I mean, there's a lot of people that have been focused for a long time on the head to tail sort of cooking theory. Um, And, you know, we're certainly not being forced into doing it, but I I certainly think with people struggling with work, income, all of that sort of stuff, we have to look at uh, realistically, we can't sit down two times a week to a rack of lamb and an eye fillet steak. I don't think really, it's not sustainable from a, you know, uh, environmental perspective, number one, but number two, from a um, financial perspective, it's certainly not sustainable if people are losing their jobs and livelihood. I'm not saying don't buy a lamb rack, buy one if you want one, they're delicious. Absolutely. But have a look at the other cuts that are available to you. You know, make it, get some chicken thighs, make a, big batch of chicken and lake pie mix, you know, stick it in the freezer. And when you want to, just, all you got to do is pull out some puff pastry, pull out the mix and job done.
0: Or make it as a jackal. or well,
1: whatever. Like, well. Yeah, whatever. I mean, yeah, I just think it gives way more options. I mean, I, I will still maintain that I think fish gives far more option as far as variety. And I'm not talking seafood. I'm talking specifically fish. You get far much, far much more variety in fish as a protein, but that's my personal opinion. But the cuts within other proteins like goat, beef, chicken, duck, lamb—all of those um, things—I think the cuts within them is it gives you really good variety and it gives you a lot of opportunity to try different things. I mean, like lamb neck as an example—it sounds really unappealing and whatever else, but the meat from a lamb neck, which is a really underutilized cut, um, makes a fantastic like pie filling. Makes really good addition to any sort of braise or ragu. Um, yes, you've got to pull the meat off the bone, but if you cook it correctly, it'll fall off. Um, and it's super, super flavorful. And by having super flavored meat, you're gonna eat less, so you don't have to prepare as much. You don't have to spend as much money. Like it all. In my mind, it all makes sense to where we are right at this point in time, which is okay. All up the wazoo.
0: It's totally up the wazoo, Paul. <laughs> um, it's, it's scary how wazoo-y so, this is. Yeah,
1: so I think if we just get a little bit, and I'm not, I'm not saying people aren't doing this already, but you know, come back to that whole use the whole beast sort of situation, and it doesn't mean you have to go and buy a tongue or offal. Certainly not, but have a look at those other ones which maybe you know you don't regularly go to. If you regularly go and buy a leg of lamb, fine, I mean, that's great. Um, but maybe don't just look at that. Maybe look at a lamb shoulder. You're going to save money. You'll get much more yield out of it. You don't have to be as precise with your cooking times. As we know, that's one of the hardest things for people to manage. If people are at home, they're going to be there. It can be cooked in advance and reheated without it overcooking. Like There are a lot of advantages to cooking secondary cuts, um, and particularly in conjunction with our favourite appliance, the steam oven, because when we're cooking, and generally this sort of cooking except sort of slow roasting, and when I say slow roasting, I'm talking 130, 140 degrees, but this sort of braising casserole type, you know, we're using a liquid, um, actually doing it in your oven on a combination mode where there's steam going in will actually Make it so that your moisture loss within your braise, so your braising liquor, if you like, uh, won't be as dramatic. Because sometimes the only drawback from doing a braise or something like that is if you reduce it too much and it gets too strong. Because if you season all that stuff before you cook it and everything's looked nice and da da da, and then you leave it in the oven and it gets too reduced too quickly, um, those the salt in there will reduce everything and will, will reduce, and it'll get you actually find you have. Uh, I don't want to say too much flavour but it gets way too strong so there is a little bit of a balance um, but certainly yeah have a look at using your ingredient, you don't need as much is what I'm trying to say
0: Well, when we were kids my father was a main cook in our family and I know later on, that. but when we were young my brother and I were very fussy and he would often just say we're having lamb or beef and we wouldn't know what it was. Yeah. Because money was tight and and here we are really looking at and I think it's wise to look at your budget and say, where do I have to spend money and where can I
1: This coming from the accountant yeah. surprise, surprise. I know.
0: <laughs> it's my natural state. But but it does bring us back. We've had a great twenty six years, twenty seven years of not having to really worry yeah. for a lot of people now those other people who've always had to worry because they've always lived on low or fixed incomes are probably better attuned and hopefully, you know, they're, they're still able to access food if we haven't gone in and, you know, bought everything out. But Yeah, but I mean, for, like, a, like we people, said the other
1: day, like there's plenty of food, but I, I food. think just, I mean, just because there's plenty of food doesn't mean everyone can afford it.
0: No. And so looking at these cuts, yeah. looking at how you do them, and when money was tight in our family, as it often was when if dad was out of work or something, this is what he would do.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, Absolutely. we get, like, probably the biggest lie of my childhood was my mother, um, we'd ask what was for dinner and mum would say special chicken and we used to get rabbit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, we didn't know.
0: i heard you say that. Yeah. Yeah. Spe- no.
1: Special chicken. Mm, oh, special? Okay. Yeah.
0: Mm, what's special about this chicken, dad? But,
1: yeah, so, I mean things like that I I just you know there's other cuts as well and I'm I mean I'm not promoting the uh, I don't want all the greenies getting on my back but but kangaroo is a commonly used protein Mm. in Australia particularly in some parts of the world but the majority of the kangaroo meat is turned into pet food Um, and there's not a lot of it that is like really commonly picked up for human consumption if you like there's not a lot of cuts in there that people find any value out of but if you can get your hand on some kangaroo tail oh my lord next level good you'll make the best broth soup of all time with kangaroo tail and it costs next to nothing
0: well we've we've often tried cooking it particularly for our overseas family when they come because they always ask us about it yeah and the only thing we find is just getting it getting it's okay because you know press and market in different places but it's just that fine cooking because it seems to be. Yeah, able so
1: to... I mean, generally, what we're getting at the markets, as far as kangaroo, you are getting what's known as the fillet. It's essentially like the porterhouse, if you like, of the kangaroo, and um, that's not a braising cut. It's very lean. You want to cook that quickly, sear it like you would an eye well, fillet.
0: What you were saying before, basically. Yeah. The, the temp, this, the time and temperature is very different. Yeah. To but for cooked, a second. Yeah, a,
1: a kangaroo tail. Like, that's thrown throw it in a pot with some spices, herbs, stock, let it cook down. It's very similar to oxtail, but much stronger flavour. Um, and you can pick the meat off it once it's done, and it's absolutely delicious. Like, it's absolutely... And no one, very few people use it.
0: Well, at so, the risk of yeah. alienating some of our listeners, I think, to fully explore tongue and... Some of the offal, which would be... I think people who like that know how to cook it. They can't get anything from us talking about it today, maybe. But for those of us... Well, offal's
1: different. Like, Let's not get them confused. Like, offal isn't a secondary cut. We're not talking about working muscles. Working muscles is what we're talking about, being secondary cuts. So, external, okay... External um, um, cuts. Well, maybe because
0: I'm not an awful eater. When we do that one jolkin, this this coming (laughs) from
1: the person that doesn't mind a pate.
0: Oh, when you make it, yeah, yeah. uh, So what do you think that's made of? We're not talking about that. Yeah, okay. That just comes from a little packet, but (laughs) (laughs) or from your tub, but um, but I think that's really helpful about slow cooking, particularly when you can go to the butcher. Or to any meat supplier and find great value secondary cuts at a great price. Yeah. They're available.
1: Ribs, shanks, the, all yeah. of those things. Like, you also know, I mean, Americans fantastic. are like famous for doing barbecue pork ribs. Like, you know, that's a huge thing over there. And and they are long, slow cooked things. Mm. Um, and they are absolutely delicious. Like
0: Oh, yeah. You know, yeah, that, no those
1: American-style baby back ribs and all of that sort of stuff, like brisket. Brisket's yeah. really, really popular now for that long, slow cooking. And it's really cheap. Like,
0: Is it the brisket that you see in a lot of Asian restaurants in their soup? Yes. Yes? Yeah. 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 The same. Sliced, but, thinly sliced as yeah.
1: it's cooked, yeah. Um, so, yeah, have a look. I mean, and just before you go roasting your leg of lamb, which is now a very expensive cut here just due to popularity mm. um, maybe have a look at a shoulder or a neck or shanks or I mean even shanks are becoming a little bit more popular now and if maybe they're not the go then have a look at osso bucco or something like that and yes you're going to get you're going to spend more time but it's sort of inactive cooking time you're not actually doing anything you're pressing a few buttons on your screen of your oven or setting a knob and setting a time and walking away mm. it's, it's long slow cooking but pack the flavor in at the start that's the trick so color up your vegetables give them some color to you know work with it. seal your meats and when you seal your secondary meats give them color 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 up front will give you better end result you've got to get the color up front and by just throwing a piece of also bucco in a um, tin of tomatoes with some onions like fine you'll get there like and it'll be reasonably okay but if you Caramelize the onions, get a little bit of color on the garlic, cook the tomatoes out a bit, color up the osso buco, and when I say color it up, pan fry it in you know plenty of vegetable oil, give it a crust, give it a color. That those same three or four ingredients will be transformed into something epic, not just something good, be something epic. So they're not hard to deal with; they just take time.
0: And maybe these days, with so many people working from home or 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 being forced to work from home one of the things that i i heard on the weekend was that it's hard when you're suddenly working from home there's no off time so maybe this is a great thing to force your lunch break get up start preparing the evening meal and force yourself to have that small little break between what you have to do during your day yeah because it's very hard when you're working from home and you haven't been used to it, yeah. and everyone's learning about this, but I think that sort of discipline of working from home needs you to also have some little breaks. Yeah, absolutely. And this and would be a great way of having yeah. a break is preparing the evening meal and having it ready. Yeah. And have, fantastic. Yeah,
1: and the thing is, is that it's like, I think, the, and I've said it probably earlier, but I think the benefit of using cuts like this is they do the work for you. They they really do do the work for you. It's just time. Like, it's just a, a factor of time. So, like I said, get some colour on them, let them do their job, cook on the bone, like, super important. Don't go grab a piece of osso and then chop the meat off the bone because you want to have a finely diced ragu. Cook it on the bone, remove the bone, and then shred it. You know, like, the bone is going to add flavor there's marrow in the bone which is also going to give you a little bit of fat and flavor um look at doing your pork belly rather than roasting it braise it you know and use that in throw it into a pasta throw it into some fried rice who who cares but yeah look at those secondary cuts and i know you sort of the other one i wanted to mention was pork gel i know you turned your head up at that
0: no, no I just but that's not something I'm comfortable cooking. to yeah. say.
1: Yeah, but I mean it's, I know it's you no are, no different but... as far as preparation, but probably one of the most flavorful cuts of pork you can get. And don't like disregard other things, because if we think about secondary cuts and shanks and legs and that sort of stuff, what do you think a ham hock is?
0: Yeah, well, again, yeah. one of my dad's favourites yeah. and
1: Doug's it's, uncle's favourites. And it's old school, right? But it's a pork knuckles. S- and, it's a, yeah, yeah, pork knuckles, all that mm. sort of stuff. Secondary carts, And the reason that people used to eat them a lot, not only was economically it was viable, they had flavour. Yeah. Had In, tons of flavour. Pack flavour. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. anyway.
0: And, uh, well, thank you for that, Paul. And for everybody listening, we are maintaining a social distance. We are... The sound might not be as great because we are, well, more than a metre apart. In uh, It's
1: not far evening. enough.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Saddle, pedal. Okay, thanks for that, Paul. No worries, Linda. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to this podcast as we explore home cooking in a modern world. We'd love you to subscribe, and for more information, please go to our website, cookingwithsteam.com. Mm-hmm.